Welcome back, everybody, to another episode, a very special episode of your ex-boyfriend's podcast. Number 36 is uh, a very long overdue interview with my good friend, Kate. I don't want to give away too much just in this intro because we do a good job, her and I, of going into exactly who she is and what she does. Um, So I'll keep this short. But... I just want to preface this by saying I will probably be cutting this episode most definitely into two parts, my first ever two-parter. Reason being, we spoke for almost, it was close to three hours overall. I think maybe we got, I don't know, something like two hours, 40, 40, 45 minutes of content. (laughs) So... Uh, I'm not going to cut out a whole bunch, so I think this is going to be two parts. Anyway, I won't talk too much more. Without further ado, my interview with my good friend, Kate. Okay, so we're recording. Woo! All right. Everybody, this is Kate. Kate is my friend from many years ago. We met in New Jersey um, when we were both working at the watch store that I may have mentioned before on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to time after time. Uh, Mick, we love you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if he still works there. I'm kind of assuming he does. (laughs) I uh, truthfully have no idea. But anyway, shout out to you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, where was I going with that? We met working at uh, the Deptford Mall in New Jersey and kind of just maintained contact over the years. You know, we were kind of friendly work associates at the time. And turns out we had more than a couple things to say to each other. Uh, Kate has been out to the West coast uh, to visit and, you know, somehow we maintained an adult friendship for the better part of a decade. Kate, it's good to have you on the podcast. Yes. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, if you want to kind of introduce yourself, I know a lot of the people on this podcast have already kind of prepped for this interview. You know, I, I kind of give a heads up a week or two in advance, but, um, I let them know, uh, that you're a nurse, but that's really all they know about you. So maybe kind of what kind of nurse are you? What do you do? How do you feel? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Definitely. So like, just as I said, my name is Kate. I am a bachelor's prepared nurse, um, very non-traditional with my nursing background. So when I went to school the first time around, I was dead set. I was going to be a trauma surgeon. I was going to go to medical school and I was going to kick ass and take names. And then LOL, that did not happen. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually, I completely dropped out of college when I had literally one class left to take. And I said, you know what, college is for schmucks. I'm going to go and just live my best life and do whatever I want to do. And I'll work retail. I'll have great hours. You know, I can go out all night and sleep all day. (laughs) And um, that is just not conducive to being a financially secure individual in the year of our Lord, 2022. (laughs) As luck would have it. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Early 20s is, as they say, a time for learning. So I started working at, so I moved, I moved from South Jersey in New Jersey to North Jersey. 
um, Justice and I knew each other in South Jersey. So I moved up to North Jersey, was working retail at a mall, and that was just not cutting it. So I decided I was going to be a little bit more grown, and I decided I was going to look for a job in healthcare. Um, I always had wanted to be in healthcare. As I said, I was going to, you know, had plans to go to medical school. So I just decided to get my feet wet, and I started working at a radiation oncology department uh, just as their their admin, their front desk person. Oh, um, okay. That had just reignited every passion I had ever had about medicine and helping people, getting involved in healthcare. So I applied for a, a community college nighttime nursing program, was accepted, and I started that at I think 26. So everybody in my class was basically a child, like <laughs> talking yes. right out of high school, not, couldn't even have a beer yet. Um, but I think that was really important because I, at that point, was just ready to buckle down. As they say in reality television, I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I was True. just so ready to get in, get out, get my shit done, get that degree and keep it pushing. Um, so here we are. I have been a nurse now for like three and a half years. So I really kind of started right before COVID came and kicked everybody right in the face. Yeah. Uh, right now I work in a gynecologic oncology unit at a huge hospital in North Jersey. I've been here now for about five and a half, six months. So still pretty new there. Um, previously during COVID, I was actually at a women's health surgery center. So we were definitely considered, um, what's that word? Essential. So we were yeah. there all throughout, uh, left there, tried cardiology for a little while, cardiology wasn't really feeling where I wanted to continue. So I went back to women's health. Here I am. And, and here you are. And here we are. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I love that story. I knew a little bit of that, but I actually learned some new stuff just now. And I love how similar it is kind of to my um, story, my trajectory that where I went to college and then left college and then went back to a different kind of school and eventually found myself doing the very same thing, which was, you know, kind of starting, we started at the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Shout out Drake. <laughs> Drizzy Drake. Um, uh, yeah. I always love that about us, even from West coast versus East coast, just kind of quietly following one another's journeys along the way. And they've been right. super similar, which has been pretty cool. Oddly similar. Yeah. And I, I might've mentioned this. I know you and I talked about it, but, um, for those listening, like, it's not just with school, it's not just with work, like we've kind of done the same thing with relationships as well, just kind of oh, mirrored each yes. other in a weird way. <laughs> Definitely. And it's super cool. Just like I said, you came you were in North, I mean, you were in South Jersey for completely random reasons all the way from Seattle. Yeah. And who knew who would have thought that 10 years later, here we would be doing this podcast. I know when I was uh, putting this episode together and I was writing the outline, like I had to stop a couple of times and just be like, this is like so uncanny just to be sitting here. <laughs> like I met this woman in a mall when I was 22. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So weird. And Kate, how are we the same age? Or are you like a year younger? I am 31. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. You're barely younger. You are like six months younger than me. <laughs> yeah. So literally not at all, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you mentioned that you, you went to school initially for, um, 
nursing, you said, correct? It was biology because I had intentions of going to medical school and doing that whole thing. That's right. Um, and then when I went back again, that was for an associate's nursing program. Okay. So when you initially went in, you, you wanted to be a doctor. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. That was always my plan. You know, I used to read medical books just for fun because I'm that kind of person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so that was my plan initially. And then really my junior year, which is when you really have to start buckling down and mm -hmm. thinking about taking the MCAT, the pre-MCAT, you have all your big science classes with all the labs that go along with it. Um, everything just kind of fell apart. And that was in big part to you know, my first serious relationship as a young, tender, what, 19 year old. Yeah. I was so sure that I was going to marry this guy and we were going to be high school sweethearts. I remember. <laughs> oh my God. He just dragged me through the mud. And it's really embarrassing to look back on and think that I let a man really ruin my life like that. But yeah. oh my God, it was just, it was horrific. So junior year, when all this stuff was happening and my relationship was falling apart, I was not in a good place. So I just decided, you know what? I'm done. I just, I stopped going. I would just, you know, let, let my, my transcripts be F upon F upon F. Oh. So that was really hard to go from being such an overachiever, being a perfectionist, always getting straight A's to just not really having a direction, a sense of where to go or uh, how to even dig myself out of the hole that I had put myself in. So I, uh, I left with my tail between my legs and I just basically was ready to give up. And like I said, work odd, odd jobs, retail jobs. Is that um, when I met you? Was that at the mall? That was at the mall. I think I was still in school at that point in time. I when thought so. I was still in school. And then when I left time after time to work three kiosks down at the Sprint store, <laughs> yes. that's when I said, forget, um, forget formal education. Yeah. It's, uh. That that's been a so, road. I, I hope everybody listening ha has caught on to how weirdly similar that story was like it's just Caitlin describing Justice's story in her voice <laughs> that's so weird isn't that really bizarre and yeah, I didn't like, know this about you when I met you like all these things have just come come to light yeah. I want to say in the last couple of years yes absolutely you you and I when we met both kind of presented as the same like Oh, I'm a, I'm in a happy relationship and things are on the move and exactly you know, <laughs> we're trying Freshly to be adults. into our twenties. We're here to kick ass and take names and finish up school and, and work our part-time retail job and keep it pushing. <laughs> keep it pushing. Uh, <laughs> man, how little we knew. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just want to like shake younger, innocent, more innocent, more naive me and be like, girl, that 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 man is trash run no far kidding. far away <laughs> no kidding man <laughs> it, and you know what's funny in hindsight being 2020 how funny would it be like if I, and I know humans aren't capable of this but how funny would it be if we were just able to say as those 22 year olds to each other like hey I noticed that things might not be going well for you and also might not be going well for me maybe exactly. we should um reevaluate <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a pause, take a couple steps back and literally not do any of the shit. <laughs> right. Like maybe let's just check each other real quick. <laughs> That's too uh, good. <laughs> interesting. It's fun to talk about. I almost, it, it is. is an interesting thing to, to kind of consider. Where Especially when be? you're, when you're this far removed from the situation. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. You live, you learn. So, uh, 
see this is one of those things i'm going to edit out um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that uh let's see i'm looking at my notes is why i'm umming and on here um when you eventually got into that uh, admin position uh what yeah. what what kind of clinic was that again what did you say you were doing that was outpatient radiation so cancer patients have after having had surgery and pre-chemo if they were going to have chemo gotcha how what was the process in getting from that administrative position into a nursing program because one of the things as as you probably know from listening to this i'm i'm very passionate about um, getting your foot in the door and oh, for I sure. see too many people say, oh, I can't get the exact job that I want and I can't make the exact amount of money that I want. So I'm not even going to consider that. And I'm like, start at the bottom. Exactly. Work your way up. Like there is no saying that you can't start as the administrator or, you know, the office manager or a janitor or something. Definitely. That is, so I really love that you brought that up because there is one thing that I wanted to really mention in this interview. Um, so when I was working in radiation, we had a doctor who was a radiation oncologist and um, I forget how we had gotten started on this topic, but he was in his later thirties and he said to me, cause I was hemming and hawing about going back to school. Do I not? Oh, I'm so old. I'm, you know, a non-traditional student at this point. And I will never forget what he said to me. He said, you know what? I am 39 years old and I've only been out of medical school for two years. And you want to know why? It's because I worked in South America in advertising for my entire adult career. One day I decided I'm not really happy in this. What would I really love to do? Go to medical school. And the same as you, meaning me, myself at that time, yeah. He said, you will always be you know, 30 or 35 or 40 or whatever. You will get to be that age, God willing, but whether or not you have something to show for it is totally up to you. And that has stuck with me literally forever. That This was, you know, five, six years ago at this point. Yeah. And it's just, it's so true. You're, if you're lucky enough to get another year older, you're going to get another year older. But if you, you could be a year into a program, you could be a year into a degree, you could be a year into a certification. Um, time is going to fly. Whether or not you do something with it is totally up to you. So that is, wanted to just beat that in because that is so true. I think it's true for <laughs> you. I think it's true for me. Um, so many people that I have ran into, it's just, you have to start. I love that. That is amazing advice and shout out to that guy oh dr for... carpenter love you man thank you for that <laughs> dr c <laughs> yeah for giving some you know life altering advice to someone who who maybe needed it at the time absolutely and if i had a dollar for every time i then gave him credit for passing that on to someone else i'd probably have like 35 dollars, which would be cool <laughs> <laughs> 35 dollars, you know <laughs> Anybody economy, I can, I tell that to. <laughs> that'll buy you a lunch. <laughs> Maybe if I'm lucky, North Jersey's mad expensive. <laughs> oh God, you know I know the struggle. Seattle. Is oh man, gnarly. Seattle is something else. <laughs> um, so let me actually go back to your actual question because I kind of went off on a little tangent there. I love um, it. You know, you know, we're probably going to call this episode. You know, it's never too late or something like that. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, what got me even wanting to? go back to a specific school. It was a community college and a girl that I actually worked with, shout out Meg. 
uh, she told me that she had gone there and she's like, I think they have a night program because at this point I was living on my own in North Jersey and committing to a full-time day program kind of wasn't an option because I was grown and I had bills and an apartment to, to support myself. Right. Uh, so I was like, you know, what, what's the harm? I don't have kids. I don't really have any reason why I can't try. So applied a community program. So it was nice and inexpensive. The hospital that I was working at at the time gave you tuition reimbursement. So oh, I said, man. what the hell? Why not just try it? For sure. Um, got in, got accepted. It was tough because I was working full time, going to school, going to clinical, pulling 18, 19 hour days sometimes, wow, feeling yeah. like it was never going to end. Um, graduated, took the boards, became an ADN or an associate's degree nurse. Okay. Uh, once you graduate and you pass your boards, you have that RN and you could start working. So uh, now is that ADN, is that something that is done nationwide or is it more program specific? Nope. That's nationwide. So okay. you can, the different levels of nursing is you have a nursing assistant or a CNA. That's like a mm -hmm. certificate program. You can do that pretty quickly, pretty easily, not easily, but pretty inexpensively, I guess I should say. Sure. Then you have an LPN, which is a licensed practical nurse. They used to have a lot more uh, like a scope of practice, but now most places want you to have an RN. So I think think a lot of places that still do LPNs are like uh, nursing homes, long-term care facilities, subacute okay. places, rehabs, things like that. Then you've got your RN, which is the registered nurse. Following that, you have your bachelor's prepared nurse or BSN. That's what you are. Bachelor of Science in Nursing. Yeah, that's what I am. Okay. Uh, those programs you can do online, which is what I did. Instead of doing, you could either do a four-year and you just get the bachelor's degree off the get-go. So you're an RNBSN, or you can do this like the stepping stones like I did. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can go on from there to do a master's degree, a doctorate, PhD, so on and so forth. Right now as a BSN, do you have plans to stay as one or do you, uh, what's, what's your path moving forward? And it can, you know, be anything. Maybe it's leave the healthcare industry. <laughs> I believe me after COVID, I was ready to hang up my little, you know, my set, my scrubs and be like, Nope, never again. I'm just going to, I'm going to quit. I'm going to work from home and I'm going to do that. But I actually just a couple of weeks ago started a master's program. So I want to be, uh, the end goal is to be a women's health nurse practitioner. So to be awesome. a mid-level provider. So I'll be able to see my own patients, kind of do my own procedures and, yep. uh, Hopefully I can, I can manage to swing a job in the department that I work in now, because it's just, it's so great. Everyone's so nice. So fulfilling, but that's, uh, that's my plan. So we're, we're chipping away towards that. And how long, oh, well, first of all, congratulations on getting, oh, thanks. Program. It's, it's <laughs> exciting. It's good to be back in school. I'm such a nerd. If I could be a student forever, I would <laughs> lifelong learner, <laughs> lifelong learner. Exactly. Uh, how long does that master's program take that you're doing? It's, uh, if you do a part-time, which is what I'm going to be doing, because I have a uh, pretty demanding hours at, at my, my current job, uh, sure. three years. And then you have to finish in five, like five years is the maximum time that the school will give gotcha. you before they're like, okay, you kind of like, you can't do any longer. So anywhere from three to five years. Gotcha. And, but your plan is to get it done within three. Uh, it's such a, it's like a love hate. So I'm trying to do this as cheaply as possible because your yeah. girl has hella student loans. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you remember that I, I went through a whole bachelor's program and then dropped the fuck out. So that oh, was an expensive God. mistake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and my, then my which, heart hurts for you. <laughs> yeah. It's okay though. I'm hoping that, uh, 
that that daddy Joe Biden will be giving me that ten thousand dollars. So that oh, would be God. really great. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so I want to my... apply for that, even though I think I'm going to get disqualified. Why? Want... Why would you get disqualified? There's an income cap. Oh, yeah, yeah there and, is. And I don't know if they're going to take last year's taxes because last year I worked a bunch of overtime and I made. Oh shit. I think I made too much money. So that's <laughs> we'll see. But you it's, know, it's a weird thing it. to say, but I almost hope like, I hope you were poor enough that you get it. <laughs> <laughs> I did the math for this year. I'm like, man, maybe if they take this year's taxes, maybe I can make it. <laughs> oh, I hope that would be so nice. Ah, uh, yeah. Weird little free money is always. But shout out to daddy Biden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my plan is, so uh, my current job will give you tuition reimbursement, but of course it's capped. So I'm trying to balance it. So I am taking full advantage of that tuition reimbursement, but also not taking on thousands upon thousands of dollars on top of my already substantial student debt. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Fingers crossed for you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I was like, (laughs) I'm not going back to school ever again until all my student debt is paid off. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, what the fuck? I'll just apply to some places. And then I got in. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll have to eat those words a little bit yeah here we go again here we go right (laughs) it's like an action movie like the third sequel like we're just gonna do the same thing again (laughs) (laughs) rinse and repeat rinse and repeat rinse and repeat (sighs) Uh, well uh i think that pretty much covers the category number two there do you mind if we just jump right into the, the the you know the big topic everybody's wondering about i do not mind at all let's keep it going all right so a lot of my listeners, myself, we are all very interested. And I hope that everybody can get something out of this conversation, namely COVID. How was our healthcare industry operating during that time? And I bring this up mostly because it's, you know, it's interesting. And we all want to know, like, let's shed some light on what actually happened. But specifically for me, I got so tired of feeling like I... I had a viewpoint. I'm like, yeah, this seems like it's pretty serious and uh, we should be taking this seriously and people are dying. And then people be like, oh, it's not that serious. And, you know, I, my, my whole family got COVID and nobody died. And it's really just getting overblown in the media. And I hated not being able to be like, well, okay, you're wrong, but I don't know why you're wrong. I don't have any information. I don't have anything to back up my own viewpoint. <laughs> I just have very passionate viewpoints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I was like, am I the problem? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not at all. So um, I guess my preface to COVID is my husband travels for work. So uh-huh. at that time, he was actually in China, January of 2020. Whoa. He came home and he said, listen, I don't know what the news has been here, but while I was there, shit is real. And I I am embarrassed to say that I laughed in his face. I was like, you're insane. That's, you know, that's an over there thing. It's never going to come over here. Um, Our our country is not that stupid. You know, we would (laughs) never let that happen. Um, He's like, yeah, no. You don't have to feel bad, by the way. I, I said the same thing. I was like, listen, just wash your hands. Don't touch your face. We'll all be fine. And, and it'll be I, fine. 
had to eat yeah. those words. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I still feel like I'm eating them to this day because he came <laughs> back and he's like, oh yeah, things are starting to shut down. And I was like, it's America. All we do is all we care about is, is food and drinking and sports and all that. It will never happen. And mm, yes, yes, actually it did Yeah, for a long time. <laughs> Uh, so that is the my worst, intro to COVID. Yeah, the worst response of any country in the world. Yes, it was a joke. Um, so when COVID <laughs> broke out, I was, I so let me just back up. I have never been an inpatient nurse. I give inpatient nurses all the most, like I, I could not do what y'all do. I admire what you do. I right. think I would wind up going on a killing spree and that is not what you want <laughs> from a nurse. So I've <laughs> always been outpatient. Um, so at the time I was working in a same day surgery, women's health center. And of course we were essential. So initially we were kind of hemming and hawing. Do we cut down hours? What do you know? Do, do we, do we just have off more days and work longer? What's, Mm -hmm. are we supposed to screen people? What is our screening going to be like? Are we going to just, you know, is it going to be emergencies only, or you have to make an appointment? We were all clueless. So much like anybody else, um, what we eventually wound up doing is I think we wound up closing one day in the middle of the week, just to kind of give everybody a break. Um, so I, I guess I'll talk about what we actually did and I don't really want this to get into like a abortion is or is not a right kind of thing, but the center that I worked in, we did a lot of either elective terminations or Mm -hmm. kind of needed terminations for miscarriages or, um, fetal death, which is when you're pregnant and the fetus dies. And like, what do you do? You can't just like, you have to get that out. Otherwise you'll go septic and die. Um, fetal anomalies we did a lot of. So these are all things that were deemed essential. So I, looking back, it was terrible for my mental health. I really wish that I had just quit and Mm -hmm. got to, I don't want to say enjoy, but enjoy like not having to go to work every day and just collecting my unemployment and not <laughs> torturing my mental health that much. I feel um, you. I actually, I, I, in, in the very beginning when it was, um, God, what was it like March, April of 2020? Like that was right when lockdowns were happening. Yeah. Construction somehow finagled its way into being classified as essential. And I know that that was lobbied by private firms. Really? Yes, I don't know how it happened. Uh-huh. It was determined that projects meeting various criteria and, and going back just for the people listening, this is before I got into my current job now that where I'm doing maintenance. This is while I was out still in private construction. So certain criteria were met by like 95% of the projects going on in, in the greater Seattle area. Wow. So construction was still going. And I also had the same experience where it was like going into work and I'm like, so we're just going to like keep doing the thing and (laughs) like, we're going to take temperatures and stuff and, you know, send people home if they're sick, but like, yeah, business as usual. Yeah. We're wearing masks, but like, I gotta be working like in close proximity to these people. Mm -hmm. And this was before, like, we even knew how it was spread like a hundred percent. And I do look back on that time, like, man, that was rough. So what ended up happening for me is I got put on standby, which is like a temporary layoff where you can collect unemployment, but the employer intends to hire you back. So that's pretty awesome. It is. It's a thing that's negotiated into our contract as um, union, union electricians. 
And I mm-hmm. think a lot of trades do that, that, you know, a standby, you can collect unemployment, the employer's going to get you back at some point. So that's, I ended up doing that electively, like, uh-huh. they said, okay, we understand that a lot of people don't feel safe. We understand that this is something we don't really know anything about. And we ha- since we have been classified as a, as essential, the jobs can stay open. And of course, the companies are going to keep these jobs open. But if you want to go home because you are worried about what's happening, we will allow people to go on standby and use up however much unemployment they have. Um, so that's what I ended up doing for two months, I think. And then by the time I came back, like, as you know, you know, we acted like we knew what we were doing. We acted for like sure. we had procedures in place to keep people safe, but I'm still going to work and feeling like, man, I'm going to get sick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, it almost felt like not a, not an if, but a when, do you know what I mean? It's like, how, how oh, could you for not? sure. And for OG sure. COVID was just so different from the COVID that is going around now. You know, it was literally like, okay, am I going to wind up on a ventilator? Am I going to wind up dead? Like you just oh, really yeah. did not know. Yeah, before it had mutated to be more transmissible, like it was rare, more rare that you would get it. But uh-huh. then it was like, you're going to go to the hospital. Uh, yep. It, very good chance of that happening. <laughs> I work or not I work with, but I know a couple of girls either from grade school growing up or that I met during nursing school that are either our age or younger that were intubated in, on a vent, put in a, a medically induced coma, like like fucked up by COVID. Okay, let's just emphasize that. Let everybody listening, if anyone had thoughts about, oh, how bad is it for people who aren't, you know, elderly? Kate just said that there are people our age in their 30s, intubated, medical coma, that shit was real. (laughs) Oh, my God, big time. Um, The girl who I've known since grade school, she actually had to, you know, drag around a oxygen container with her for I w- several weeks, if not months Holy after shit. she was discharged from the hospital, just because her lungs did not recover as quickly as they thought. So it was like, you'd, you'd see like a little hunched over 95 year old lady who's been smoking for the last 65 years yeah. with her little nasal cannula. Um, yeah, that, that was this girl who is our age, maybe even a little younger than me right. and just she was an emergency department nurse and she, from the constant exposure, 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 it was just bad news bears for her. And I mean, she's lucky that she's not on that still. It was really bad. Oh, for sure. And you know, we, as you well know, we don't know the long-term effects of, of people who had COVID that bad, you know, the whole quote long COVID thing. Absolutely. She, she may be feeling effects as will many many people for who knows how long into the future we don't Mm -hmm. know yet yep i knew another woman that i worked with in the radiation department um she wound up having COVID. i think like three times every time there's a new one like you know how people get the newest iphone and when a new COVID comes out (laughs) she gets it COVID 13 (laughs) yeah right exactly um and she said that she had like neurological symptoms so her her thinking and her just ability to put together like logical sentences and steps was affected. She went back to work, um, like a a part-time job. And she said, I would have to ask three or four times if you, so if you were to tell me, Kate, I want you to go to go to the refrigerator and take out eggs, milk, and butter. She -hmm. would have to have that repeated to her three or four times because she just could not recall like a basic direction or a command. And I mean, that 
she's had it three or four times. So I guess maybe the lesson didn't quite stick, but that's besides the point. <laughs> well, do you think it was cumulative? Do you think was that neurological damage after would it get worse every time she got it? Or no, was that it was with initial? OG COVID. Wow. Okay. Like so the original, original. Two more times after that, I'm sure it didn't help. I yeah, I can't imagine. So I haven't really seen her to ask, but I just can't imagine being that lackadaisical with, oh, masks aren't real. Let's not Ugh. let's not do that. And you've like you've had it three times and you can't even remember three things in a sentence. But I digress. <laughs> Let me hey, stay you know in my what? lane. That was a very real thing um, for a lot of my circle, not personal, like not friends and family, but I work in a blue collar industry and, you know, whatever else you can say about people that do my job, a very common theme is that they are, I don't want to say uneducated because that is absolutely not the case, but they mm -hmm. come from backgrounds in which education was not prioritized, like yeah. critical thinking and higher education, reading books, like <laughs> those things were not prioritized for a lot of people that get into the trades. I'm for not sure. saying that's their fault or that's a character flaw. It's just the, you know, the facts. Mm -hmm. So then I got into so many arguments because you would hear that do masks work argument over and over and over again. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if you think they work or not. It takes nothing to wear one. It literally does. It takes no effort, no time. Exactly. Just put that shit on. And then on top of that, I was like, you see how your mask gets wet? when you wear it and how it smells inside because you don't brush your teeth you think it's Ew. not trapping that stuff you think that's just a magical thing that happens when you Absolutely. wear the mask and it has nothing to do with your mask it's trapping something so could you shut the fuck up and wear your mask <laughs> put your face diaper on like everybody else please it's it's interesting that you bring up the trade. So my dad was a union carpenter I mean he's since retired but his yeah. entire he started in apprenticeship from what 18. Yeah. So when you say the, you know, the trades and how people can be so, I don't want to say closed off, but it's like, he's a man's man, meat and potatoes and, <laughs> yeah. and like was pretty racist growing up. Like all those things that go along with being like a, just like a, a, a white blue yep. collar worker. Yep. And as time has gone on, I guess maybe he's just growing up. I don't know what to say, but <laughs> If my dad, who is like a salty old, oh, you moved my lunchbox, I'm going to knock you out. Like that kind of guy. If <laughs> oh, yeah. he can wear a fucking mask and not complain about it, no excuse. Like I want to hear it from nobody. Because if <laughs> dad can do it, you can do it too. <laughs> there you go. That is absolutely right. <laughs> and it's just, it's funny because it's like, what, like you said, what does it cost you? What is it? Oh, but I can't breathe with it. Like, okay. Uh, Cry me a river. Just, just wear it. You don't know if you're, especially then you wearing a mask could save an immunocompromised person's life. Right. Your grandparent, uh, just, I digress. Get me off my soapbox. <laughs> oh uh, no, it's okay. That's what this podcast is for. I, I, my whole podcast is a giant soapbox for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I yeah. think it's the best. It is. I love it. No, we're on this. We're on the same page with that. Like it, I'm all about practicality. Like uh, at the end of the day, we can go round and round about ethics and morals and what is right and what is wrong and, you know, personal whatever. But at the, 
at the end of the day, I just want to have something practical in front of me that we can take action on. And that sure. was my argument. It like, I don't care if it works or not. Practically, for the for the population, we can do this thing. And it does not hurt like the people who are like, Oh, I can't breathe the oxygen like, no, shut up, pull your finger out of your ass. Just put your mask on. <laughs> I saw a really interesting argument about the, you know, masks don't work, masks this, masks that. So I forget, probably Facebook, because that's where I get all of my hot takes from, or Reddit, <laughs> but that's besides the point. Yeah. Um, somebody said, okay, so if you are going into the hospital and you're having open heart surgery, does that mean that you don't care if your medical staff and your surgeons and your, your, your nurse assists and all that, does that mean that you don't care if they do or do not wear a mask and they're like sneezing into your open sternal wound? Like, do you, <laughs> is that fine then? Cause that's basically the same line of thinking that we're, we're talking about here. And then it was just crickets. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh... of course you want the people who are breathing over your, over your open body, open incision to be wearing a mask. Cause why right. mouths are dirty. You spread bacteria, you spread germs, right. but yet COVID it didn't somehow work the same. So yeah. Now it's a, a good, uh... socio-political issue for some reason. Oh God. But <laughs> we could go round and round on that for the rest of this interview. <laughs> yep. Oh, good God. Oh man. So, Hey, what were you, you might've said this, but I forget what were you doing? Like when the lockdown hit, when people were ordered to stay home, when it was like essential workers were like the, the term first hit the news. Like what, what were you doing? Were you just working business as usual? And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh fuck people. are. Oh not. yeah. Yep. It, it was from the get-go. We knew that we were going to be considered essential Gotcha. Um, so we didn't, we were never going to have the option to not go in basically. So what they did, it was a tiny little surgery center. It wasn't affiliated with a big hospital or anything. Okay. Um, they literally printed us a Microsoft word document saying this person, blah, 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 <laughs> yes. is an RN. She is an essential worker and had like somebody scribble an official looking signature. So if you were to get pulled over, you would be like, okay, here's my, here's my little piece of paper, my hall pass yeah. that I'm allowed to be out here. <laughs> yeah. um, Papers, and, please. Like what yeah, ex country Exactly. Like, am I entering another country? <laughs> but that's what, that's what we did. I never got pulled over or anything, knock on wood, but that's kind of the only thing that they could think of to keep us, I guess, going in. You know, I actually had the same thing. I had the exact same Microsoft Word document that I was just like, <laughs> are you shitting me right now? Like, is this is this for, for pretend or this is real life? Yeah, are we? Well, this is what we're doing? Uh, so I have uh, a good friend of mine who works for uh, Washington State Patrol. He's a commercial vehicle um, officer. And he was telling me that the whole hullabaloo, like you and I are talking about with having basically the hall pass to present if you get pulled over or you know uh questioned by law enforcement he was like that was a complete non-issue for law enforcement itself they aren't the ones that pushed that they weren't pulling people over by official like policy mandate they were like unless you see somebody causing imminent risk to themselves or to others through their like you know violent actions you are not to pull people over because they didn't want wow. the officers getting covid from exactly. unnecessary like bullshit hall pass stops wow <laughs> yeah so i'm like what oh the my hell god was that paper for? <laughs> exactly 
Wow. That's a, that is something I don't really, I'm not sure what the, the law and of the land in New Jersey was, but I always had that in my glove compartment, my little hall pass. So did I, I didn't find that out until way after the fact. That just makes me want to like face palm. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> I know. Is that real? Carry your hall pass kids. <laughs> What are you doing outside class? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, oh, I'm actually going to work that I re- would really prefer to not have a job anymore. But hey, fuck no me, kidding. right? Hey, and you know what? Just bringing it back to something you said earlier, I really resonate with the idea of like, man, I wish I could just work from home and like enjoy all this time off that everybody else is Oh my God. My husband works from home and he used to go into the office a little bit more, but ever since COVID happened, he's basically a hundred percent from home. And man, did that suck having, you know, he's sitting in bed watching YouTube at (laughs) nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm like balls deep in amniotic fluid and (laughs) people telling me masks aren't real. Yeah. No shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. God. I actually now want to call this episode balls deep in amniotic fluid. (laughs) (laughs) That may turn people away from listening to it. (laughs) Oh my god. I know that really just pleases me. That's not the best decision for the health <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> and honestly, for the where I worked, like it was for lack of a better way to describe it, an abortion clinic, balls yeah. deep in anything is probably not like the way to go. Oh, yikes. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Oh, I actually have uh, tears from laughing. Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. So like I was talking about earlier, there kind of the reason I wanted to bring a lot of this up with the COVID thing was of how many conflicting reports there were like w- regarding severity. Like, oh, is it, you know, actually the fucking walking dead in there? Like, what is it like? So I know you said you weren't an inpatient nurse, but I know you know plenty of people and I know you probably got to experience a little, a little of that. Were we like in healthcare facilities, especially like ERs and hospitals, were we really like in the apocalypse or was that just blown up for the sake of the news? Oh, no, it was a hundred percent. Like that was absolutely the case. People. um, So now that I'm in school again, I've had to do a lot of research papers and, you know, things that go along that nature. And there's a whole lot of articles that have come out about people who worked the quote unquote front lines of COVID. And every time that there's a new wave, it, this just comes back again. People literally have PTSD from just the, the horror of dealing with COVID inpatient. So, you know, you have people who obviously as a nurse, I would hope that you think that COVID is real. If not, I, I don't really know why you're a nurse, but that's oh, God. I know some that think it was like, not a big deal. I do too. I'm like, I just want to take your nursing license away. Cause like, what are you even doing? (laughs) Yeah. Isn't there such a thing as like, do no harm. Like you're doing some harm here. (laughs) Exactly. Just spreading around this like politicized bullshit. But, um, so the, where I worked, the, the physicians that, that were at our department, they also were on staff at the hospital that was right down the street. So they would get called in. Obviously they weren't doing elective surgeries in the hospital, but it got to the point where they had to come in and they had to do a meeting with us saying, listen, guys, there are, they are down to like the bare bones of staff that they have in the hospital and people are just getting sick and sick. And if you remember back then when COVID was first coming around, when you found out that you weren't feeling well, it was like, you're not coming back to work for a month. Do you remember that? I, where it I was do. just, 
so when people were out, it was like, fuck, now this person's not going to be here until next year, basically. So <laughs> they had us ready to like, listen, guys, I know you're not inpatient nurses. I know you've never worked in an inpatient unit, but you have nursing licenses. So the, when we find out that we have to go, we're going to go. Like we, we're going to close this place down and we're going to have to go to the hospital because Holy it's that shit. serious. That is hardcore. <laughs> Isn't it? I would go home and be like, what am I going to do? Like, am I, am I just going to quit? Am I going to like rise to the call and, and go? It was something I really had to, had to think about. Thankfully I, that I, never wound up coming to fruition, but it was, it was thrown around a lot. I can totally sympathize. Like that would be a, man, that is a difficult question. Cause it's like, this is not something that you normally do. You're basically like, that's like when the, the, uh, draft comes around, like, you know, you're drafting kids out of high school to go fight in world war two. It's like, exactly. It's not like you wouldn't be at least somewhat prepared. Yes. You're a nurse. You have, you know, certifications and qualifications and you could go do some good but you know you're calling up the reserve unit like these guys have been at home working jobs and now they're fighting in a war <laughs> exactly yeah it was it was scary and i know that they always talk about oh you know bodies and coolers on the street like that was a real thing wow. a thousand percent the um especially in, in new york city that was where it was it first hit the worst um one of our doctors lived in manhattan He's like, yeah, of course it's a real thing. I fucking walk by these things on, or he used to ride his bike over the bridge to work. It's like, I literally ride my fucking bike by these like cooler morgues basically because there's nowhere to put all these bodies. It was just insanity. I mean, I say that looking in because that was not the position that I I worked in. You know, I don't live in the city or anything. But yeah, like that was a real thing. People think that that, I guess maybe was overblown or, oh, people... um, hospitals are over, over, overestimating how many people have died of COVID. You can go in for a heart attack and they're going to say you've died of COVID. Like, right. no, that was not that, that was real, 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 a hundred percent. So let, let me just um, touch on what you just said. One second. That is something I heard quite often. Like, Oh, these numbers are being um, inflated. Like you said, go in for a heart condition. You die in the hospital. They're going to attribute it to COVID because maybe you had COVID when you came into the hospital. So that was not happening. I just want to emphasize that. No, no. Hospitals were not pretending like, you know, somebody who came in, name any other medical condition. And they're just saying, oh, you died of COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. It's COVID. Right. (laughs) Okay, good. I don't want everybody to hear that. That was not real. Um, Not real life. (laughs) If you want, we can talk a little bit about like what, what, how how we were approached by patients and by other yeah. civilians if you will yeah let's do that so the reason why working where i did during covid had affected my mental health so much is because we it wasn't a in, in my opinion anyway of course if you're septic because you you had a, a fetal death or whatever of course but for the most part these were people who were coming in with unwanted pregnancies and wanted to end their pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, yes, that is definitely a, an essential service that is being sure. provided, but have some fucking gratitude that you can even, this is even an option for you <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic, the amount of people um, that would come in and just like, 
uh, oh, I'm, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. So like, actually, yes, the fuck you are. Otherwise, you're leaving here as pregnant <laughs> as you came in. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is what's happening. Yeah. Um, I had people curse at me. I had people um, tell me that, oh, you know, you, you must think that you're a doctor or something because, I, you know, I'm not listening to you. You're just a nurse. You're just this. You're just that. Yeah. And it was like, I try to be very... Um, pleasant and like it's like shit doesn't bother me like at the end of the day you're gonna say what you're gonna say but in the middle of a pandemic where there were no vaccines where (laughs) everybody that i knew was sitting at home collecting their six hundred dollars and like enjoying the (laughs) fuck out of their time and i'm like being cursed at by so many people when i'm just like you ugh, i mm, i'd be salty too if i i had one blessing which was i didn't have to work with the general public yes because as you are laying out perfectly, the 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 general public can be just the worst. <laughs> the worst. Yes, 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 yes. And I know, you know, you never know what somebody's going through, but you also like you're coming here for a service during the middle of a pandemic. So like maybe don't be an asshole to the people who are trying to help you to the best of their ability. Question mark, right. question mark. <laughs> yeah, it's not like these people entered the healthcare. Uh, world because they don't want to help people. I was actually listening to a podcast recently, and I can't remember or else I would tell everybody so you could listen to, but they were talking about how the majority, like studies and surveys have shown that the majority of people who get into healthcare, much like the majority of people who get into education, um, public education, like teachers, are doing so because they want to help. They, they care about helping other people. Absolutely. It's not yes. for the money. <laughs> for sure. No, I completely and then you're agree. Come with you. in and be like, oh man, fuck you. I'm not wearing a mask. Like, okay, yep. now I don't want to help you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that is one thing where I do have to say I was very grateful that our the uh, the team that I used to work with and I worked for in the company, they were not at all hesitant to be like, okay, get the fuck out. Like if you're not gonna Good. listen to these protocols, like these people are here to help you and to help perform a service and that they were no nonsense with it. You would get almost like three strikes. Like we'll ask you once (laughs) we'll ask you twice. And then security is going to come in and you're going to leave. And that like, you're you're not getting your money back either. Like this is not a a, a refund situation because you don't know how to act. You're still very thankful for that. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) It is crazy. That's one of the things that caught my attention during, you know, the two years when things were pretty regulated, we had all these different masks and, policy changes how many people never exited that childhood mentality of entitlement like i get this because i want it like are you fucking kidding me you're it's 35 man 45 you have children and grandchildren and somehow have made your life work with this attitude this is how you got here <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> working through the pandemic in like the full-time balls to the wall way that we did. Yeah. Um, it definitely changed my perspective on just human beings in general and not uh. for the better, not even <laughs> a little bit. No, kidding. I mean, you saw the ugly, the downright, just selfish and childish and just, yeah, ugh. it all right. came out and the, 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 the gloves were off as they say, and people just did not give a fuck. Oh, I know. It reminds me of that meme that floated around for a while. It was like things that give women the ick. I'm like things that give <laughs> the rest of us the ick. 
amazing. I forgot all about that. I was a big fan of that meme. It made Same. me laugh. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, that's awesome, though, that you had an employer at the time who backed you up because that was one of my big questions. I wanted to know how your employer at the time, or it sounds like you had multiple employers during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, are they backing people up? Because that that was one of my biggest God, one of the things that stressed me out more than anything was how my employer, not in, in the private industry, when, when things were initially popping off, um, as some people who listen may know, I, I moved out of that private side into the public sector. Um, and I work in a, started work at a maintenance position uh, in 2020, in August 2020. And I will always say how thankful I am, how grateful I am for getting that position in the middle of when shit was bad, bad. Like that was right after, you know, the summer surge of fucking COVID. Yeah. And big time. I managed to get a job where I felt like I was more financially secure. I had grit a lot better benefits and I wasn't worried about, you know, am I going to work tomorrow? Am I going to lose my job and not be able to go back out? But exactly going there, as soon as I got there and, you know, learned about what this organization, which I'm not going to name, <laughs> was doing for COVID protection, I was like, you have got to be shitting me. Like, people are going to die because you are not doing enough. And exactly. guess what happened? COVID literally ran through my department. And I, we weren't the only ones, of course, but my department, it ran through when I was there, I think a total of three times. And wow. I was, yeah, fortunately, nobody died, but everybody got it. And I got it. Thankfully, I had got the vaccine and right. it was not a problem. I, I had a cold essentially mm -hmm. for a week and, I, and then I got better, but I lost my sense of smell and my sense of taste. And that lingered for months and months after. And I oh, had that, God, I'm that, sorry. that lingering cough, right? So even somebody who's healthy in their you know, early thirties, or I think I was 29 at the time. God, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I was baby. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it, it was a real problem. And this organization was just like, we are doing what we are contractually obligated to do. Oh man. That's disgusting. Big oh, ew. God gave me the ick. <laughs> Big time. Oh, me too. On, on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. And you know, I, I don't know and I know this could be a sensitive issue for some people. So just heads up if anybody has the same experience. I personally don't know anybody in my immediate circle that got it and died. But I know two, you know, if you consider like the next tier out, the next level of acquaintance, mm -hmm. I know two people um, that got COVID and were just gone. And yeah. one of them was one of them was 26. Wow. Um, oh my gosh, that's horrible. I was like, this shit is killing people. And we just act like, oh, it's okay if I get it. It's okay. exactly because you think you're going to be fine. You'll, you know, it's, it's no big deal. I'm young, I'm healthy. And yeah, that just was not the case for everyone, unfortunately. Yeah. That's 26. Wow. That's awful. Oh man. It was sad. I think I talked about it in a, in a, I can't remember what episode it was, but like, you want to see some grown men cry, like have one of them lose their daughter and then 
find out about it all together at work. Oh man. You did talk about that in an episode. I remember it. Oh, that's awful. It was tough. I have to give mad props, especially to the the surgery center where I was, because when you were a, you were a nurse in the hospital, you were reusing that N95 for seven days, two weeks straight. And I don't think you have to be a healthcare worker to know that that shit is not doing (laughs) anything after seven days of constant wear on your face. It's just not. Um, So we had, I don't want to say unlimited, but we had plenty of access to masks and shields. Um, We would actually leave, come in in street clothes and leave in those same clothes. So they had scrubs provided. You had shoes that you left there. So it was like nothing that you were wearing was like hospital contaminated um, or surgery center contaminated basically. So they did a great job making sure that we had access to all the PPE that we could want. And then some, Um, I know a lot of inpatient nurses and healthcare providers were not that fortunate. So mad props to them for making sure that we were covered. Oh yeah. That is awesome. They, they get all the credit for that because you're a hundred percent, right? Like some of those institutions were, as you said, reusing masks for two weeks like that that's not going to do anybody any good yeah it's 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 worthless at that point like these are single use (laughs) (laughs) y'all man i remember at at one point when the organization that i worked for and currently still work for when we were all given like we were provided masks as well and this was after the whole you know we all knew that the n95 was like what you needed to stay safe they handed out like these, I don't, I can't say they're homemade because they were obviously like made in a factory somewhere, but they were literally like t-shirt material. Oh my God. Cotton. And I'm like, um, what, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) Is this a handkerchief? Am I supposed to blow my nose with this? Like, what is this for? Yeah. Uh, Like, are are you kidding me? Like we, I'm trying not to say too much, but like this, government organization is enormous yeah. i work for a big bureaucracy <laughs> uh-huh. i'm like we can't get some like actual ppe you make me wear all this other job specific ppe on a daily basis you know exactly fi- fire rated clothing that will keep me from burning alive if i get in an electrical explosion and like a hard hat and a high vis vest and safety glasses and gloves but then like there's this deadly pandemic that's killing hundreds of thousands of people and I get a t-shirt, <laughs> but you know, I'm probably preaching to the choir here for anybody in the healthcare industry that was like, yeah, we know. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's sad and it's scary, but it's not that these things weren't available. It's that the hospitals were hoarding them. Like, do you oh. know what I mean? Like they, they were readily available. It's just, they were doling them out, you know, one at a time two at a time. Like there were people that had to staple the, the elastic strap that held the mask on. Like if they, if they broke, it was like, okay, I guess you're super gluing it or stapling it, which is like, that's disgusting. It is. That is gnarly. Was that because we didn't know their, their argument was that they didn't know how long this was going to go on. Like we may not have enough of these down the road. I honestly, I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't, I'm not sure a hundred percent. I just know that they are, they were available. And I guess maybe, you know, supply chain issues. That's something that I'm sure we're all so tired of hearing, but (laughs) I can imagine that that, that could be why, or it's just, you know, corporations being corporations and being (laughs) greedy and stingy. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me at all. 
Yeah. So after you, well, I guess, let me go back. When did you leave that, that clinic that you were working at? I was there for about two years. So by the time, when did I start? The summer of 2019. So I left in the winter of 2021. I left, I want to say, no, February, sometime in early 2021. And that's when I started working in um, outpatient cardiology and basically a, a cardiology doctor's office. Gotcha. And at that point, as you know, we're all aware, things had, I, I guess, normalized would be the word. Like we, we understand what we need to do and how to do certain, take certain protective measures. Exactly. Did you find yeah. That it was a lot less stressful at that point with your new employer. Oh, big time. Absolutely. Um, I th- just like in general, the change in demographic of like where we were, we were in a much, I don't like to say wealthier, but much wealthier area. So right. a lot of people coming in were also very concerned about getting COVID. Whereas at the surgery center, it just seemed like, you know, I don't give a shit if I get it, if you get it, your grandma gets it, the president right. gets it. I don't care. It was just very, um, no personal responsibility. And then at the cardiology office, people were appreciative that we were actually there and that you could come if you were having an issue or if you, you, know, you felt like you were having some kind of cardi, if you were back in a weird rhythm or whatever, whatever people to go to cardiology offices for. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a big, a big transition. Just having, instead of people basically spitting at you, people being grateful and nobody needs to thank me for doing my job, but it's nice to be treated <sighs> right. like an actual human being. Um, you're not fighting with people on the regular to just put your mask on. It was just kind of like a known thing. Maybe because people were older and they were just a little bit more mature in their handling of it, but it was like night and day, my mental health, like night and day overnight, basically it was so much better. You're you're speaking to a a really good, um, topic, which I, I want to say I try to practice, but you know, we all fail at one point or another. Um, in like, it takes so little to not make somebody's day worse. Like right? you, can, you don't, like you said, you don't have to thank me for doing my job. I don't need to thank you for your service. Like you can keep that to yourself. But, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it just don't make it harder for the people around you. It takes nothing out of you. And like, that was the whole thing. Now that I'm thinking about it with the masks, it's like, you're just making people's life harder because you feel entitled to some shit. Like, exactly. Like, let's rethink what we're, what our priorities are here. I don't know if you feel the same way, but being a miserable, hateful individual, it takes a lot of work. Like it is exhausting (laughs) mentally. It is just so much of a day is kind of yours to make. Like if you go into everything that it's going to suck and that you're miserable and you just are just generally just unhappy, that is exhausting. Like believe it it is exhausting. If you just like fake it till you make it, even if you're not feeling the best on the inside, just like, I don't know, tell somebody you like their shoes or just don't be an asshole. It's not that hard. And it's like people forget that, you know, making somebody else feel good makes you feel good and i'm not saying that's how you you know base you don't want to base your whole happiness situation off of how many people can i make feel good like exactly right that's not the basis for you know you being okay but i I feel like who doesn't like to see the smile on somebody else's face because of something you said or did oh absolutely it's so 
easy. It's difficult to <laughs> remember like when we were kids, we learned like it only takes 13 muscles uh, to smile. But oh my 40, God. Yes. To frown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. That's a perfect place to interject that. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I remember learning that as if it was same. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like MySpace, I don't even, they weren't even memes, but like I remember it from MySpace. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, what did we call this stuff before memes was like in the cultural lexicon? I honestly don't even know. If my life depended on it, I couldn't, I could not remember because it's just meme. Like that's just, it is what it is. Ah, I have no idea. I remember it like vividly like you're talking about seeing stuff on like early youtube and myspace and you know those websites do you remember those websites where it was like uh they would co collect basically like cat pictures and it's just a website yes homestar runner absolutely <laughs> yeah. funnyjunk.com funny junk e-bombs world <laughs> oh my god yes 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 Oh, oh, the God. early internet was like the wild west and it was so much better. <laughs> it was, thank you, so much better. It was flash like, games just... <laughs> and early YouTube. It's just a uh, chef's kiss that nothing, nothing is, nothing is the same anymore. Yeah. Those Gen Z kids out there right now that think the internet is just this capitalist hellscape. Like, and it is. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. They have no idea how good it used to be. It used to just be like, wow, this is wacky and crazy. <laughs> and you can do like all this weird shit that you could never do before. Just maximally silly. It's so silly. Yeah. <laughs> and some of that shit lives in my head rent free for the rest of my life. I can't get it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. I Shoes can't get out that, the that cheeseburger wet. cat. Uh-huh. I can have cheeseburger. It's like, yes, 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 yes. Building blocks of my personality today. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually heard you, what you said, the shoes video. Yes. That was so good. <laughs> so good. And I still will quote it sometimes. Like if I, I'm getting ready, I'm like, these shoes rule and these shoes suck. And that's <laughs> a thing that happens pretty frequently in my day to day. Oh, man, that is too good. <laughs> I know that guy made some other videos, the, the guy that did the shoes one, but I just that's like what the internet was like yeah we we all have lives outside of this but i'm gonna be remembered for being a meme for the rest of my life no matter what i do <laughs> no matter yeah exactly i know you yeah, i agree he has done other things but like why mess with perfection just choose <laughs> you you've peaked and i don't know if anything can top it so god i'm glad i was there that's all i can say i'm glad Same. i got to experience that yes definitely I don't even know how we now. got onto this particular subject, but I'm not mad about it. No, I'm not either. And, that, you know, that's what I like about this podcast. The, the interviews that I've done, I want to say with maybe the exception of, of talking to Veronica, because she was like professional, also trying to promote her business professionally. And, you know, yes. it was a very structured interview. Aside from that one, everything kind of devolves into just talking about shit that we want to talk about. And I love that. <laughs> It's always been fun to do these types of interviews. Oh, for sure. Because it really is. It's, it's like you said, less structure and more just like two idiots palling around. <laughs> yeah. God, if that isn't the case. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember or maybe if, if you heard this one, but the first interview I did was with my youngest sister. Yes. The, fir the first half hour of that interview is just us bullshitting about nothing. 
it has nothing it. to do with anything. You know what? It makes it approachable. Like sometimes podcasts are so structured that it feels like you need a PhD to listen to it. And it's <laughs> it can, just, yeah. it definitely can be a lot. So I, that's what I love most about this podcast is you could just listen and it's like a, a cozy, comforting show. You can just put it on in the uh-huh. background and you can multitask and you're not feeling like you need to be taking notes frantically while you're listening to it. It's just, it's, it's easy and I love it. I appreciate that so much. And thank you for saying that. I have not been shy at all about telling people when, when they're asking, uh, like friends and family asking about this interview that I was going to do with you. I'm like, Kate has been so supportive and <laughs> like so enthusiastic this whole time, ever since she, she started listening, like, she is one of my model supporters. Like when I think about who I want more of, I'm like, it's my friend, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just be like that, please? (laughs) Absolutely. That is like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. (laughs) I appreciate it so much. Oh, of course. You have to support people, especially when they're doing something that you really think is awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. People are on my Facebook all the time doing MLM bullshit. And I'm like, girl, bye. Like, I don't want your shitty makeup. I don't want like, please want leave me alone. With your... Yeah, no, I don't want flat tummy tea. I don't want LuLaRoe <laughs> leggings, but something that you can really get behind and genuinely support. Like, yes, I'm going to be here until you don't make it anymore. Absolutely. Same way, man. Like if God, especially like, I have a, a close friend of mine who's probably going to listen to this episode. So I'm, I may edit this out, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> they are and and have been for for years. They've been trying to establish themselves um, selling. Oh, God, what is the company selling some stuff? And yeah. in, in the past and when I have been approached by the same uh, company or people who are selling the same stuff, I've always been like, wow, that sounds kind of predatory. Like the structuring of that company seems pretty um, hard to operate in. And it feels like you're getting preyed on. But they are, my friend, they are a staunch supporter of the work that I'm doing on this podcast. And from day one. And so I was like, at some point, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to buy some shit. Give me give me the pamphlet. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I'm sure it was right? really appreciated. I hope so. And, you know, shout out to who this is. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> like, I- I'm going to support. And if you fail, it's not going to be because of me. That is such a good way to put it. That's so nice of you. <laughs> Thank you. I wish I was more like that. <laughs> Honestly, if we're being perfectly honest here, I really do. I wish I could see through to the to the good and feel like you really are supporting someone. You know, it took me a long time. I I will say this. This is not a secret between he and I. For a long time, I was resistant. And it was just from the beliefs that I have, which I still do hold to a certain degree. Like, I'm not sure that this is all above board. It doesn't sound like it's all on the up and up. But you're one of my best friends and I want you to succeed. And if you're committed to this thing, God, I don't want to be the one that shits on your party. That's true. Yeah. I'm sure they get it from all, all kinds of angles. So having people that are really close to you also shit on something probably doesn't feel real great. 
no i yeah i i just don't want to make their life harder which hey now we're tying it back into what we were talking about (laughs) (laughs) and we've come full circle all right thank you kate okay see you later (laughs) (laughs) cue and music (laughs) uh man i know we got way off track but that's okay that's okay not mad about it one more thing i wanted to touch on with the whole covid issue I know you and I talked or we texted right before we did this episode. You are not actually part of a union and I was mistaken. For some reason, I thought you were and I don't know why. (laughs) I kind of want to touch on like it sounds since it sounds like you had a a couple of decent employers during the pandemic. Yeah, for um, sure. Maybe you don't have personal experience, but as far as seeing all your your coworkers and industries that were in hospitals, you know, ERs that's type of inpatient stuff that were, you know, down in the trenches, as we say, um, what were, how how were they being, God, what am I trying to say here? I'm concerned about like the working conditions, how they were obviously shit. And the reason I bought brought unions up is because where I have been working, I am a part of a union and my union was like involved in everything that, my employer wanted to do or didn't want to do as far as stuff that affected working conditions, the union like had our back as far as like, Hey, you can't just emergency declare some shit because of COVID. Like, yes, some of this stuff is needed and we can understand that, but like, you're not going to make shit worse for our members and then just expect that to stay in place post pandemic. And it reminded me very much of when, you know, taking it way back when 9-11 happened and, you know, America was in this uproar and we passed the Patriot Act. Then it was like, oh, hey, everybody feels safer. And this was like a great thing for America. Turns out it was just a way to spy on the citizens of this country. And it's never going to go away now that we passed it. That's what the union was trying to avoid with employers you know because they represent multiple uh units different employers they're like you're not just gonna pass some stuff that benefits you like sneak it into these covid regulations and then have it be a thing at your place of business now like we're gonna bargain that shit it's gonna be on you know the table for everybody to see and i'm i guess the long-winded way of asking was what i'm trying to get to did you (laughs) see that happening in hospitals where you know, shit was obviously bad. Like, yeah, wow, we don't have PPE and we're short staffed. We're hospitals doing stuff that the unions were having to come in and be like, yo, back up. <laughs> Absolutely. I think a lot of hospitals still to this day do it. And that's why so many of them are so against the organization of unions. I mean, unions are what basically made the workforce in this country what it is today. Like, yeah. you had child labor. You had super <laughs> unsafe working conditions, which I think you touched on recently um, sure. in, in last week or the week prior's episode. And the reason why we have anything nice, like this is why we have nice things is because <laughs> of unions. So yeah. You like your 40 are, hour work week. Thank, yes. Thank, thank you, you to unions. unions. <laughs> yeah. Integral to just the history of the workforce in this country. My dad, like I said, has been a, a union, um, a union carpenter his whole life. So when right. we were growing up, it was like, okay, 
These companies build union and employ union workers. So we're going to support them. Other companies don't. So like we, as a family made an effort to boycott, you know, X, Y, or Z company growing up because they did not support unions and they didn't enforce, I mean, they didn't uh, hire union laborers. So like that that goes back to, it's deeply ingrained in my, (laughs) my soul that (laughs) unions are the way to go. Um, so the hospital that I work for now is a huge hospital system in North Jersey. And uh, I I am not a part of a union. And I don't think that there is a union that represents our uh, our system. Interesting. Um, I'm very fortunate in that I genuinely love the system that we work for. And I think that they really do try to keep employees happy and make them feel like they're cared about. They just gave everybody 4% raises for no reason and nurses seven. So like, great. I will definitely take that random money for no fucking reason. Thank you. Um, yeah. So that was really unexpected and nice. They just do all kinds of nice things, but that's, that's just my hospital system. A lot of other places I have worked for have been, um, not, not that way at all. And I'm not sure if it's because of the scale, like this hospital system is massive. They have like six hospitals, all kinds of satellite offices, imaging centers, labs, you name it. The smaller centers, I just, just don't have that many resources to pull from. But, um, where was I going with this? I kind of just totally lost my train of thought. Oh, Oh, hospitals. They do not want people to unionize, uh, people who have been striking in healthcare for, like you, like we're talking about better working conditions, better staffing. I'm writing a paper right now about mandated nurse to patient ratios because oh, you can show yeah. up and, oh, guess what? You're now going to be responsible for 10 patients. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm sorry, I what now? Like you don't, you don't know the acuity of these patients. Some could be a one-to-one. This one's trying to rip their tubes out. This one's trying to rip their lines out. This one's on all these drips and machines and needs to be assessed every 15 minutes. And it's just like, you're one person. Like you're not um, inspector gadget with all of your like octopus (laughs) arms. You're one person with two arms and two legs. So a lot of these nurses that are trying to unionize and strike for better working conditions are either being fired or the the strike breakers that are being hired, um, they are offering them obscene money, money and benefits and um, like, um, what's it called? Where they stipends and all these different things when the people who are actually employees of the hospital are like, bro, what the fuck? That's all I'm asking for is for a half of, a quarter of all these great benefits that you're providing to strike breakers. Like, why can't you just do that for us, people that actually work on site here? That so, is so gross. Isn't that disgusting? Ugh. I don't know. And I, I always like to think of my that I would never participate and I would never hire, I would never step on as a strike breaker. But yeah. it's like, you're talking about $10,000 a week. Like, that's that's really hard. If you're someone who is in the position that, I mean, who doesn't want $10,000 a week? Oh, I know. But, that is tough. That's so like, dirty. <laughs> exactly. Like, how do you say no to that kind of money, but then also know that you're kind of selling your soul? Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's so <laughs> yeah. gross. Yeah. Wow. I, I was not aware of that. Like, I, I knew that hospitals in a lot of cases with the struggling with staff, they were bringing in um, uh, travelers. And I know yes. that traveling nurses make significantly more. But I don't understand why, and I've, I've struggled with this with more than just, you know, the healthcare world. I've, like, why do businesses not just treat 
their employees better. It has been proven time and time again that retention comes with good working conditions and good pay. And we all know that retraining and having new people come on is one of the most expensive things to an organization. Right? What is going on? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I am not a math person. I am not an accountant. I am not a financial person at all. But just like, guys, really? How is, I don't, I don't know. It's really gross. That's all I have to say. It, yeah, it's, it is super gross. The department that I, uh, maybe we haven't talked about this. So let me back up for a second. I still work for the same organization. I just moved departments uh, back in April. So I, I, the job that I hired on in the middle of 2020, I no longer do that. I do a, 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 a different electrical job. Uh-huh. And the department that I Congrats. left- Thank you. And I, 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 I enjoy it very much. Um, I don't intend to leave it unless, you know, something drastic happens. Um, the department that I left, starting with me, when I left that department, it was, uh, oh, yeah, it was like March. So there was a, like a couple week downtime there. Um, that department is just hemorrhaging people. It started with me. And then three weeks later, somebody else left. And then fast forward to now, I want to say of the six of us that were originally on that shift that I was a part of, I think five of the six have gone. So that department is like 20, it operates at, you know, quote unquote, full capacity at like 22, 23 people. Yeah. They hemorrhaged out five and then lost two more to management within the span of a year, less than a year. That's crazy. When you ask the people, including myself, what is happening? Why? And you know, these are questions that upper management is now asking. Of course. Why can your department not retain people? It is 100% having to do with working conditions. The pay is good. We all hired on because yeah, it was a financially sound move. But when you have working conditions that grind people into the dirt and management that says you know tough titties that's just the way it is exactly you're gonna lose people like it's inevitable how do you think you're going to retain skilled labor in that event and i imagine that's exactly the same issue that hospitals are having how do you expect to retain people when you first you tell them oh you're essential you're a hero you know jerk yourselves off we're not going to pay jerk. you. And yeah, <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to pay you anymore. You're going to work crazy hours. You're going to get COVID a couple times. You're going to get mistreated by the public in general. And, and then also when we can't staff the hospital, we're going to bring in travelers that make twice as much as you do. Um, but thank you for your service. Like here's a pizza f- party. that's like a really common nursing meme if you are in any like reddits or whatever it's like oh you know i just i just worked 56 hours straight with no break and my bladder has exploded but here's the pizza party thanks healthcare (laughs) heroes it's just so gross oh my god that you're spot on i remember god when was this this was like the end of 2021 same thing. We were like, oh, you guys are essential. You know, thank you. There was all this like glad handing going on. And then in our mailboxes one day, and you know, we have all mailboxes in the office. I go in there and somebody, I don't know who this had been approved 
God knows how many levels up the chain. Somebody had put in these like custom made lapel pins that oh said God. essential worker on them with like an exclamation point. And was it written I... in Comic Sans? <laughs> it might as well have been. Seriously, like, oh my God, how fucking tone deaf. I threw up in my mouth, but I wore the fuck out of that pin and I made sure everybody saw it. I was like, I don't know if you noticed. I'm an essential worker. <laughs> I am literally deceased. That's amazing. Of course you wore it. <laughs> I wore two. I stole somebody else's because they didn't want theirs. And I wore a pin on both of my lapels that said oh essential God. worker. <laughs> Do you still have them? <laughs> I don't. They got lost because, of course, they were custom made. But the little backer on the pin that holds it to your lapel was a piece of shit. So they of fell off while I was at work. <laughs> Gotcha. Yep. That just is the icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, that is hysterical. I can't believe you wore two. <laughs> I just wanted everybody to thank me for my service, you know? <laughs> oh God. I felt like I deserved it. <laughs> Way back in the beginning of the pandemic when New York was basically a like walking uh, graveyard. Yeah. Every night at 7 p.m. during shift change of the, you know, incoming and outgoing day and night shift, yeah. it was a thing for a couple of weeks there that everybody would turn off their lights and go out on your patio or your balcony or your porch or whatever and bang yeah. pots and pans like it was New Year's. And that was that was the response to thank you, healthcare heroes. And oh, like, God. If we could maybe just have better working conditions and not have. 15 patients per shift that'd be pretty cool but thanks for the pots and pans <laughs> no oh. shit you know the one saving grace for that is like at least the people out there on their balconies doing that at least they weren't part of the management that's that was true yeah i can't really to... i can't fault them too much <laughs> right they, it may have been misguided but you know like we Something. were talking about uh, appreciation does it is nice to receive from people and because they didn't have to do anything, there was no obligation for them to go out there and thank you. But at That's the same true. time, it's like, it's a constant reminder. Wow, I get banging pots and pans, and I still make what I was making pre pre pandemic. Exactly. If here and I've I gotten am. COVID twice. <laughs> <laughs> it got so bad to for a point that. I mean, I remember just looking for fun at travel nursing, uh, like advertisements in you know, indeed or whatever. Yeah. And it was so bad that you couldn't throw enough money at people to get them to want to sign on to your contract. It was, Whoa. I mean, you would be making like 50 G's a month. Like I'm talking oh, like $10,000, a week. They oh, would pay God. for your room and board. They would pay for your food. They would pay for everything. And still there weren't people signing on to do these, to take these shifts. Cause you knew that just like you said, you were just going to be ground into the dirt. You'd be working oh. 18 hours straight. You would, you know, it was just like, you couldn't pay people enough money to sign up for that, which really rings true to what you were just saying about the position that you left. It's like, money's not everything. Yeah. You could throw money all day, but at the end of the day, it's got it. The juice has to be worth the squeeze. Oh, so good. Can I steal that quote? <laughs> oh my God, absolutely. I forget where I even got it from. I think a, a shitty movie from the 2000s. Oh my God, that's good. Like you should have seen my face. I literally made like, what? what is that face? Like the, uh, 
uh, American psycho, like when he puckers <laughs> his lips. <laughs> so if you want to laugh, I just looked it up. Do you remember the girl next door? That movie with, um, oh God, the guy who was also in the um, Alexander Supertramp, um, that movie, Into the Wild. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Yep. That is where the ju- is the juice worth the squeeze from, which is so, <laughs> did not expect that to be the movie that that was from. What year was that? Like 2003? It has to be. Let's see. 2004. Yep. Oh, I was so close. Yep. <laughs> The juice has to be worth the squeeze. I just wrote that shit down. <laughs> That's so good. I'm just going to credit you. You said that, not that guy. It could be like, did you ever watch The Office? I've seen um, a decent amount of it, but I don't watch it religiously like some people. That's okay. I've made it mostly my personality and it's okay. I just love it so much. But it's like where Michael Scott says, if you, you shoot for the stars, if you or shoot for the moon, if you miss, you'll land across, across the stars. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I have seen that. <laughs> uh, the fact that he says Wayne Gretzky means it's now his quote. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, definitely going to keep that one. I, I have a, a whole document that's just like, you know, quotes that I like and random one offs that some people have told me and then I pull them out as needed. I know you so. love your quotes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so good and i like how every time i use one that feels like damn that was exactly what i was trying to say it just releases a little bit of dopamine and i'm not sure yes i like it so much (laughs) well it's like you you found a an opportunity to to use this perfect quote and i know it's like you've been saving it in the back of your mind and then you (laughs) finally get to use it and it's just like yes boom (laughs) done oh that's good stuff Exactly. A mic drop. (laughs) Hey, let's take a pause right here. I have to go to the bathroom. So that was a perfect stopping point that I did not plan at all. (laughs) Just occurred naturally in the uh, conversation we were having. So that bathroom break will serve as roughly the halfway point for this episode. We'll call that the end. Um, Kate and I continue to speak for almost another hour and a half, which will be featured in the follow-up episode to this one, part two. I'll be releasing part two sometime during this same week. So we're not going to wait a week to get to um, part two of this conversation. I feel like that's too long (laughs) to wait. So um, this episode, two-parter, will conclude probably on Wednesday, maybe Thursday, probably Wednesday. Uh, But just expect that in the middle of the week. Hopefully you're all liking uh, the interview with Kate. I know I was having a great time. And as you can tell, we are talking about some great stuff. In the meantime, if you want to get a hold of me, if you're a constant listener, you know how to do it. But for anybody who's listening for the first time, anybody who came here uh, because of Kate, having graciously advertised this on her own social media, welcome. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at yourexbfpodcast at gmail.com or you can hit me up on Instagram at your underscore exbf underscore podcast. If you like what you hear, if this interview has sparked some interest in listening to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, thank you. 
and I will continue to have that podcast um, distributed to that website, whatever it may be. But if you want to change it up, this podcast is on pretty much any platform where you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, Amazon Music, um, Player FM, um, Listen Notes. Shoot, there's so many. Pandora. I can't even remember them all. It's basically anywhere. Just Google my name or the name of the podcast. <sighs> anywhere. <laughs> and as always, it's hosted on Podbean at justicetenna.podbean.com. If you go to that website, it has all of the places that this podcast is distributed and a little bit about the podcast, a little bit about me, just a little fancy little website. So thank you for listening to this episode with Kate, part one, which we're tentatively calling at this point, the juice has to be worth the squeeze. (laughs) Uh, And I will talk to you very shortly sometime this week. Take care.